Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsburg. Throw your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor. What a fun football game last night, Andy. A reminder of how just crazy good Patrick Mahomes is at football. Um, just a pleasure. What an absolute joy that was to watch. No, I mean, I had I had uh, Broncos. They're Broncos. I had a Bucks teaser, so... Yeah, it was fun. Minus that. Not that. Not that. That part wasn't any fun, nor the second half bet that we couldn't get home. But it was. Yeah, we talked about it a little in the uh, in the halftime stream. It's like shit. Are we so numb to it now? Where it's like he does this spin move down by the goal line, and you're just like, yeah, he does that. Because I mean, those things just weren't things you saw. If I, I mean, you weren't going to see Ben Roethlisberger do shit like that. Even even on you know 10, 15 years ago, the top quarterbacks are just. They were all pocket guys, and you know, every once in a while, you'd have a Cordell Stewart or a Mike Vick come out, and like, oh, this guy's super crazy athletic, and he runs sometimes. But you know, a lot of I, Mike Vick aside, a lot of them weren't great passers. Like, it's it's wild to see someone with so much athletic ability and still just a fucking cannon, an accurate cannon, and the I don't know, is it creativity the word I'm looking for? Like what he does. Um, yeah, it's you know just in space when when the play breaks down like that. I mean, because that guy that caught the touchdown was like standing at the goal line when he did the spin move. He broke loose and he just kind of flipped it over the top, like just absolute fucking. You know, people use schoolyard or like backyard football as a kind of a pejorative sometimes, but like when it works like that, fucking do it. Yeah, it's I guess it's creativity. It's taking that athleticism to the next level because. All these running quarterbacks that we've seen in the past would either look to pass quickly or look to run. The way he, it's almost like a video game character. If you ever played Madden and you had one of those athletic quarterbacks and you knew that like as long as the defensive end wasn't too close, you can always kind of spin move, run to the other side of the field and have a chance to make something happen again. And it's he uses that athleticism not necessarily to run down the field, and he does do it sometimes to pick up first downs and such, but in moments like that, having the realization where it's, you know what, let me just find some more space, let me keep finding some more space so that at some point someone's going to get themselves open because, again, I know that I have the footwork here to, and again, not get sacked. I mean, that's what's amazing. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's a good defense. They have they put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, and you watch these guys – I mean, they're jumping at him, and he's, I mean, not even really getting their arms anywhere near him at some of these points. And I think that's what it is. We haven't seen too many quarterbacks. I think some of the better non-mobile quarterbacks we've seen do stuff like that, but not nearly to this degree. So to watch someone that could run maybe the way Lamar Jackson does, but decides to use it to do stuff like that, I think is, is more amazing. It's, it sounds like watching ballet at some point. Yeah, it was art and uh, very annoying, but the silver lining, and I did bring this up a couple times in the last week or two, I said, let's watch this game. And I was not unhappy with Tampa Bay, especially what they were able to do on offense with a few players coming back. Uh, the fact that they lost probably creates a little bit of value. I haven't looked. Hopefully I can get closer to a 10-1 to 1 for Tampa to win the Super Bowl. I think as this team continues to get healthy, they are going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. And just they have a really good chip chair and a chance to host some some playoff games even at two and two and end up in the super bowl as the nfc's kind of a representative so i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt those down i'll talk about that a little later in the week and probably on the deep dive as well but uh yeah let's that makes a ton of shots 
I mean, yeah, as bad as Tampa Bay's been, two and two, I was surprised. It was like they must be one and three, but you're right. They're two and two, and uh, they can't have everybody be hurt all year. But let's move forward. We'll get to Monday night a little bit later. It's Apparently, they're playing golf again this week. Yeah, every week they're going to play golf. Um, wow. There's a few tournaments that aren't as good as Almost the like Sanderson Farms or the Fortinet Open. But, yeah, it is, it's a rough time of year. And I actually I had a bad week. I haven't had a bad week in a while. It was a nice kick in the pants, I guess, to get me moving. I, I overweighted a couple things, and I, I believe it was hubris. Like, I, I thought, ah, you know, this tournament maybe doesn't jive with this stat, but it's been working so well for me. Did not work well. Matchups were subpar. Uh, in tournament matchups were about 500, but obviously my outrights weren't good. I wasn't really paying attention. I had a Emiliano Grillo, <laughs> uh, 40. Well, it's Sunday. I didn't really have anyone in contention in my outrights. And also, it's just good to remind NFL the people Sunday. you don't have to pay attention. Folks. Well, just yeah, let it was NFL you don't Sunday. have to sweat this stuff. And and somebody did like finally mention it in the chat. Does anyone have Grillo? And I went and looked, and my guy who I had a forty to one ticket on was tied for the lead on the back nine, a uh, on Sunday. And I said, "Oh shit, we got to sweat." So I click on his name on the golf app. I don't even pull up a stream, and he is on his fifth shot on a par five on the following hole, hitting out of the rough into the rough said, well, that dream lasted 15 seconds, and that's over. He tripled that hole, ended up tied for fifth, but that does not pay very well when you bet him to win outright. So we're on to Shriners. The The whole squad is moving to TPC. The guys the tiny cars with the funny hats? Yeah, TPC Summerlin. Honestly, <laughs> enter, uh, you speak of entertainment. This will be in Summerlin. Beautiful Nevada. And there are some decent names. Patrick Cantley's played well here. Every time he's been here, he's a couple runner-ups. Uh, the new and exciting Tom Kim, who was, uh, if anyone watched any of the President's Cup, you definitely caught him in the celebration after he hit a, a birdie putt to to win the win the match, win the win the point for his international team. He's he's a lot of fun. I got to see him in person up at 3M before he was like that was like right when he was starting to be a thing, and I'm like. I don't know if this guy's a thing or not. And I was wrong. He is absolutely a thing. He's very good. He has been bet down already. Sung JM's here. Your Fortinet champion and Max Home is here. Aaron Wise. And then it, it gets a little rough from there. Cam Davis is a good golfer, but the names from there, it does take a little bit of a downhill swing. Although here's a bunch of guys I bet last week. Hadwin, Grillo, um, Mito Pereira's a guy who makes my card a lot. I haven't placed any bets yet. I will say... If you can find some decent numbers on, like, Mito or Grillo or Hadwin, I think if you can find some 60s or 70s on them compared to the 50 you're getting at FanDuel, probably some value. I will have some outrights tomorrow, and we'll talk some matchups on Wednesday. Have not dug in too much, but it is a, it's a goofy place because it's in the middle of the desert, but it's also kind of set up like a northern course because – you can basically do whatever you want because you have to water the piss out of it uh, being where it is. So the agronomy is kind of goofy. We'll dig into that a little tomorrow. But for now, we're going to a made-up city from, um, um, I think we determined this is from Avengers. What's the one with James Spader is the voice of the... the uh, you're thinking of Sokovia. Sokovia? Okay. Soko okay, so this is a real place. Astrava. Ostrava is a is a real place. It's um in that country where most of the good women's tennis players are coming from, Andy. The, the Czech, Czech Republic. Republic? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there you go. I'm proud of you. Back yes. in my oh. day, it was Czechoslovakia. 
It was. It was the Czech Republic. Yeah, now it's the Czech Republic. They had that big whole thing. That ball came down. They split up. And now they it's a country, for some reason, full of women that are great at tennis. So they don't really have an Asian swing anymore, Andy. So let's go ahead and have a 500-point event in the Czech Republic here to finish out the year. It's a packed field. Um, pretty much all the top players in the WTA. Obviously, a lot of them, it's a home match for them. Um, it's a good spot to kind of finish up the year. Iga Swiatek will be out there trying to win, I think, her first indoor hardcore tournament. Something we were talking about with Brett. There aren't that many indoor hardcore tournaments, but especially towards the end of the year. So let's jump in. We got a bunch of stuff. One um, match gets underway shortly here after we finish. We'll start with the parlay. Petra Kvitova, again, does very well indoor hards. This is a relatively new event, but has done well every single year here. Really have admired the way she's finished out the season. It's tough being kind of one of those older players, honestly. It's There's so much youth and so much athleticism facing you time and time again. But Kvitova is able to maintain a really strong serve. She has a really um, strong game mentally, not just in her ability to know what type of shots to hit, but to cool herself down and to stay calm, which really is what tennis is about at kind of a top level. So fantastic conditions for her here. She goes up against Bernarda Pera. Um, you know, just kind of a WTA tour veteran here. Should be a nice, comfortable win here for her, I think. Um, the line that I'm seeing right now is about minus 210. I had this closer to minus 300. Happy to put it together with Daria Kasatkina, which is a, kind of an interesting thing. Another thing Brett and I talked about, there are certain players on the tour who, for whatever reason, do much better indoors. And you would think a lot of times, Andy, they'd be power players or big servers. But you have some of these um, returners and softer hitters like Kasatkina. Teichman's also playing this week. She does much better in these situations where – for whatever reason, whether it be the surface is fast enough to allow them to hit winners or they have more pace to return their opposing players, generally does very well in these surfaces. Um, hasn't played since the U.S. Open, where she did lose in the first round. Tough match. And I think we're just getting a lot of value because we honestly haven't seen her play for a handful of weeks. And Emma Raducanu had a nice run in Asia. I believe it was Seoul. She made it all the way to the final. Might have actually won that tournament. Apologies for not double-checking, but Kasekino only minus 155 here at a spot where I have her closer, minus 190. So put the two together, you get plus 145. It'll give you one money line today, and Kasekino will uh, clean things up for us tomorrow morning. Um, and then also have a couple first set overs and another money line. These will all be early tomorrow morning. Play starts as early as 6 a.m., um, but we'll see how that goes um, in terms of when things are actually stacked out. Martin Sova Teichman, the aforementioned Teichman, does very well again on these types of indoor courts. Martin Sova, um, one of our favorite players to bet on in some of the smaller European events. Um, it should be a really fun matchup here. We'll be betting, yes, there'll be a tiebreaker in the match somehow. Um, we'll be definitely stacking this one up in terms of 10 and a half, 12 and a half, things like that. Again, it's looking like at least a 6-4, probably a 7-5, seven, 7-6 seven, there in the first set. And then similar in this next match, Anna Blankova and Katie McNally, both in solid form coming through qualifiers in here. Um, again, t generally play a ton of matches. Um, I don't necessarily have a pick as to who the winner is here, but um, something pointed out from uh, one of the listeners of the old Net Worth podcast, whenever Anna Blankova is in a match, it pretty much goes three sets, especially if she's going to win. So if you like Blankova as a small dog tomorrow, sprinkle a little Blankova 2-1. Um, again, I'm only seeing plus 110. I would need maybe plus 125 or so to jump in on that. But if you're looking for some fun to gen action, um, on an exact score, take a little Blankova 2-1, because um, I think it will probably go three sets after a long first. And then Beatrice Haddad Maya having a great end to her season. Um, 
priced here as an underdog for some reason against Carolina Mahova. Mahova, very solid player, someone I love to back, very clever game, but hasn't been nearly as good as Haddad Mai all season in this last month or so. So um, maybe in a little better form after, after what she did last week, but I'm frankly happy to take Haddad Mai plus anything. I have her as a short favorite here, minus 130 or so. So even minus 105 is probably fine too, anything less than minus 110. And then in Monastir, do you know where Monastir is? Home country of Almster Boer. Tunisia. Very good, Andy. That's what that F was. <laughs> Usually an ITF location. There's a bunch of monastir events. Um, again, thanks to the success of Almster Boer, it's a, it's a country that's becoming a little more and more focused on tennis, which is great. Always fun to have more places to play, especially in this end of the season where, you know, the last month or so, we're just kind of getting through till the WTA finals. And, Linda Fruvertova. Um, there are two Fruvertovas. There's a Brenda and a Linda. Mm-hmm. Linda, the older of the two, I believe Linda's 17 or 18. Brenda is 15 or 16. Um, these two women, again, will be a, um, another in a long line of Czech Republicans who will just run through the WTA. Uh, chose to come down here and play in Modesty in a tournament that I think she can win. So um, unfortunately, they're playing right now. There's no outright markets open. But when they do open this afternoon, get yourself some Fruvertova outright. There's going to be a 50, a 60, maybe even a 100 to one out there. Um, just playing incredible tennis. Goes against Petra Martic, and this number's a little bit on the move here. So poke around. You should be able to still pl- find a plus 140. I'd play this at plus 120 or better. Again, goes against Petra Martic, a, a great WTA veteran, someone who is a very solid player. But um, I think it's going to be in that situation I talked a little bit earlier about Kvitova doing well in where Martic has struggled recently. Going against these younger, more talented players is tough. Um, as we have learned time and time again through sports, as we continue to have more younger players come in, they're generally faster, stronger, and a little bit better than everybody who's left. And as much as Martich is a really solid, smart player, I've got Fruver Tova here, pretty much a pick in this match. So uh, give me the young underdog here. Again, plus 120, plus 125 or better. Should be able to find all those numbers now, and that'll be early tomorrow. Which one is it then, Linda or Brenda? Linda. Linda. Brenda's Brenda's older or younger? I think Brenda's the younger Fruvertova. I can never keep my uh, – we got, we know our Wangs, but we don't know our Fruvertovas yet. So, all right, we'll let's, uh, let's close with the big game tonight then. The NFC West tilt between your defending Super Bowl champions and your the only team left in the Bay Area, the 49ers, who have had a string of bad luck so far with some injuries – that's kind of been their lot in life for the last couple of years, and it wasn't great last week. Jimmy was not looking good. Obviously, didn't have a ton of prep. Uh, we talked about it in the preseason. wasn't even working really with the team as like your backup option because they were bound to determine to trade him if they found the proper partner before they ended up, you know, re-signing him as the backup. He was off on a separate practice field. Not so much you know, because they didn't like him. They didn't, they wanted to create this feeling in the camp that this was Trey Lance's team. They didn't want to have some sort of, uh, you know, discord uh, among the, among the camp and during the preseason. So Jimmy's preparation with the team was very light during the off season. That said, he's been with the team for years. They haven't had a lot of turnover at coaching. He should know this system. It was rough. And this is a tougher defense, not only in coverage, but up front, 
And that was a big part of probably what affected him missing Trent Williams, losing your left tackle is a super tough thing to go through. Obviously the, uh, a couple other teams are in the same boat, notably the chargers who were able to get past a, just, a, I mean, a dreadful Houston team, the only team in the league now who does not have a win. They have a tie, but they do not have a win yet. So they're your last winless team. If anyone bet on that, uh, I'm taking the Rams here. I got a plus 118. It's still going to be plus 105, maybe a little better in a lot of places. I I can't I can't get past just what we've seen from this offense last week and missing your left tackle against a better front four, a better secondary. And you know, the Rams offense hasn't been stellar. I do think this is a pretty ugly low scoring game against a very good Niners defense. Stafford probably throws an ugly pick. I'm willing to accept that and just deal with the fact that the San Francisco offense is probably going to continue to stay stuck in mud. And this might just be like a 14, 10 kind of Rams game. I like this under quite a bit. I have the Rams and some teasers and yeah, the Trent Williams injury. I'm not hundred percent sure how long, but it, it was medium link that I think at best, I want to say it, there was even talk of it being like a, a decent long-term injury. So this under hasn't gotten hit too hard of late it's kind of stalled here at 42 and a half but that took money during the week the rams have taken money but not enough to flip favorite like we saw in some of these and just again it's it's one of those where i don't know if it's the fact that shanahan has been very successful against mcveigh over the years but in these nfc west tilts i'm fine taking the under or excuse me the the underdog and truthfully, some some of the knocks in the Rams maybe are a little unwarranted. They were bad in the second half versus uh, the Falcons, and that was uh, <laughs> the Falcons are a good offense. Like there's not an offense I've upgraded more than the the Atlanta Falcons, despite the team, you know, not probably being a team that makes a a, a stab at a wild card spot once we get through the season, that's a, that's a really fun offense. A lot better. I have them rated higher than the Niners offense with Jimmy. So let's go Rams 17, 17, 13 Rams. 17, 13. Well, well under the total apparently. So um, yeah. Savage Samurai asks about a Rams and over teaser. Really, really don't love teasing. Rams and under teaser. Rams and under teaser. Maybe. I used to do this a lot, and honestly, I was kind of good at it, doing the same game side and total parlay, uh, teaser parlay. But you really shouldn't tease totals. The, the six points you're getting are not worth it. You're essentially paying minus 273 to move six points up in a total. and that's So you're only getting a touchdown and not even the extra points for minus 273 off the minus 110. And that's if your teasers are paying minus 110. If you're paying more, it's even worse. You can be paying minus 300 to move six points up. So not great to do with the total. If you do like a teaser here, there's a decent game on Thursday that we'll get to later in the week that uh, it it's not in that teaser zone, but I don't hate the Colts in a spot where I, in what world are the Broncos going to score a shitload of points against the, the – maybe. I mean, we, we saw some of it, but the, the Colts getting over 10 – you can tease that if you find a four. Otherwise, there's lines open for this next week. I like the commanders in the teaser, which is super gross to say. <laughs> the, the, the Lions. Uh, the Lions are maybe not a teasable team anymore with games going to end up in the 70 to 80 point range. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, you got to see who's even playing. 
Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is uh, Iowa, Iowa State, right? No. So, all right. Well, let's. Uh, uh, I was going to. We're gonna figure out who scores first too, because this is the most fun part of the whole the whole game. Is sweating this out. Hopefully, what was it? The, was it the Cowboys game that we had to sweat it into the second half? Yeah, that's happened a few times. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, you you've got a nice a nice plate of these today. Seven of them, it looks like. A couple defenses. Look, you nasty man, you. It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack here. Um, you know, we'll start kind of with um, the 49ers, uh, the Los Angeles Rams here. Cooper Cup. Obviously, he gets all the looks. He gets a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. You know, if you have to pick somebody to score first, Cooper Cup is a darn good decision. But um, you go look at some of the red zone targets here. Um, Allen Robinson, only one red zone target behind Cooper Cup so far this year. Um, again, defenses know that they're looking for Cooper Cup. That's generally who they blanket on. Um, so really like Allen Robinson's chances of scoring tonight. And just in general, anytime I'm going to get him at 13 to one, where, you know, you're looking at somebody like Cooper cup down in the range of, um, you know, five, six, seven to one, depending on where you look again, as low as five, I'm seeing most places. I don't understand why those numbers are so far apart. And similarly, Tyler Higby, um, second on the team in targets behind Cooper cup. Um, just in general, as you look at the red zone, he is one of the only non-running backs, um, you know, basically after those two wide receivers, Allen Robinson's getting looks in the red zone, um, has about four or five already this year. Um, again, makes him second, third in the team, pretty close to those two guys. So both of them, 13, 14 to one, a really nice place to start. Uh, the quarterback's always a good place to look. Jimmy G, 33 to one, again, didn't have a full preseason here. I'm sure that they'll get back into some of the offense he was more familiar with running last year. He's had a whole week and generally runs the ball quite a bit. Um, it was one of the better rushing quarterbacks, especially for first touchdown score when he did play last year. Happy to play him at 33-1. to 1. And as much as I'm terrified of Matt Stafford having his first rushing touchdown in four seasons, still not going to bet on it. So if you're wondering why I didn't put Matt Stafford there, again, go back and look. He hasn't had a touchdown in four years. I'm not expecting that to change too much. If it does, so be it. I'll be furious tomorrow morning on the show with Matt. Give me both defenses here, 33 and 35 to 1. Um, going back and look at this game, Andy, and I'm sure that history isn't necessarily the best indicator of what happens, but a lot of turnovers in these games. And there have been two defensive touchdowns in the last four times these teams have played. Um, just given the way that uh, Matt Stafford throws the ball around, already has five interceptions this year. Um, really like the chances of a defensive or special teams player. And again, poke around, get the special teams. You want the special teams. That matters occasionally. Um, it, and it really makes a big difference. And most of the books have defense and special teams, but some have just defense. So make sure you poke around, make get the special teams. It'll make a difference. The year of the fullback, likely to continue here. Kyle Jushik, uh, or Juszczyk, however the hell you say it. Um, I assume that's Polish, Eastern European. The, se- the second one. Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. 40 to 1 or better. Again, what a dumb doesn't, name. doesn't get a bunch of <laughs> doesn't get a lot of work really in between the 20s. When they get close to the goal line, things get creative. Really like Kyle here. Um, and then Brandon Powell. This was a name a little further down the list. Again, the Rams really have, you know, if you were to make a pie chart of all their targets and, and usage. It's really top-heavy with certain players, but Hal here has been coming in the last couple games, getting more and more work, and especially near the red zone. They've been using him on sweeps and things like that. 
Um, so has actually a couple rushes inside the 20, has a couple targets inside the 20. And sitting back there at 66 to 1, just too big of a number. I had this closer to 30, so give me 60 to 1 or better on pal. Seven names. What the heck? Let's give it a shot. We've got to be able to hit one of these thinking prime time. We're gonna get it. We're gonna it's happening tonight. I'm very excited about the defensive. Yeah, look for that because I've seen people getting screwed out of that where it's like, well, that wasn't a defensive touchdown, that was special teams. Like that's the same thing. It goes together, you guys. Stop it's that. It's a big difference. Yeah, don't don't pull that shit. And is yeah, Ju- Juice Jack, who let's see, go back and watch. He had a really nice catch last week where he pulled like a toe tap, like a wide receiver. He isn't very, very athletic fullback. This is not uh, this is not your grandpappy's fullback. So I like those a lot. I'll play all those. I'm excited for the game. I'll catch you tonight at halftime with Drew. We'll try to get back on the back in a saddle and try to win one of these halftime bets. I like last night's a lot too. It's just. Tampa's offense need to do a little bit more. So I uh, hit the thumbs up on the way out. You guys have been great about that lately, especially you, Rooney, if you're still in here, because I'm going to see you later today in meetings. You better hit the thumbs up. Um, Kyle, you owe us thumbs up for making me deal with you all the time. And, yes, for me, for Alex, for producer Dan, we'll catch you here tomorrow.